love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand, the wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. This is Hotshot Danny Duggan, leader of Team Jacked and Fanny Packed, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast. This is Hotshot Danny Duggan, and you can follow Canadian Wrestling's Elite on social media. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CWE Canada for all the up-to-the-date latest news updates on Canada's Elite Wrestling Alternative. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here on the JK Podcast. What is going on? What's up, guys? So there's been a lot uh, going on wrestling-wise, you know, and uh, New Japan Wrestling, some stuff going on with the Bull Club. We've had the, the Royal Rumble, you know, some uh, monumental firsts in the business. But more importantly, we have a wrestler who's active on the independent scene that we had a chance to see in person here in Sault Ste. Marie when CWE came up to the icy cold north of uh, northern Ontario, Canada. We have Mr. Chase Brandon. What's going on? Uh, I'm doing good. How's everybody else doing? We're doing good, man. Doing good. Good to hear you again. Yeah. This time I'm a little bit less cold than the last time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about 50 here. It's about 50 here, yeah. Oh, nice. Not here. I mean, we're looking uh, in in Canadian, we're looking about minus 13. Yeah, you guys can keep every bit of that minus 13. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but, you know, having said that, uh, what was it like, you know, your, your, uh, your time spent up here in... Uh, in Canada, you know, and only getting to tour in Canada with CWE, but to to, to get to, to travel and to, to tour with uh, one of the legends in the business, Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. I mean, just give us a little bit of uh, inside there of what uh, it was like uh, to go through all that. Well, at first, it was kind of a little bit of a rough start because being from Tennessee, you don't really know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. So going into it, I kind of just showed up with like a jacket and a coat and, you know, I was going to be like, you know what? I'm going from a car to a building every night. We're going to be good, right? No. Same kind of philosophy that I have sometimes with like yeah. my boots and that kind of stuff. Ah, there's right. not much to do on the ground. It's good. So, needless to say, on the probably about day two, me, KLD, and uh, Jake, we all went to a Walmart. And not only did I invest in some pain medication because, you know, that was really hard on me right there. I wasn't really expecting, you know, Tony Gazina, you know, to give me a, such a tough fight as he did. Yep. But the thing is, is I also got me a certain toque, but that, <laughs> oh. as I would call it, a beanie, which that is actually what got me past Canada. And this wasn't just any kind of thing. Have you ever seen a bank robber? Yeah. You know the little mask they wear with the with the eyes cut out of it. So you got the the eyes cut out and a little little section for the mouth cut out. That's exactly how I survived in Canada. <laughs> the balaclava. It's like the, the robber outfit, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what we call it. We call it a balaclava. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you actually think about how much the guys would rib me every time I wore this, <laughs> it, it was it was outstanding amount of ribs. <laughs> and possibly the one that would possibly rib me the most was Creed. That guy does not hold back on any kind of rib at all. <laughs> really? But every single time I, I wear that thing, he would look at me and be like, come on, Tennessee, it's not that cold. Wow. Every time. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't blame him because that's, uh, I mean, that's something that I would say too, you know, being here uh, 36 <laughs> years, right? I mean, yeah, it's not that cold. Go outside in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, it's not that cold. Nope. I have a philosophy brother, when it comes to dressing for brother, the cold weather. Yeah. And that is, I don't care if I look stupid. As long as I'm warm, I, I'm doing good, so. Brother, it was negative 40. Don't tell me it wasn't that cold. <laughs> very true. Very true. I guess your times in Winnipeg were that cold, right? Oh, yeah. Well, all, all across. Because the first show around, you know, say the Dolph and all that other stuff, it really wasn't all that bad. Mm-hmm. But Or I didn't think so until I tried to put up the ring and my hand stuck to the pole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the life of independence in Canada in the winter. It definitely is. Yeah, that was my first outlook on. Oh, oh my God, we got twenty days of this, and I was in the car with Jake's first starting out. I mean, most guys that are coming in young stuff like that, they only wish for the experience that Danny Duggan actually handed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I respect that guy more than pro- possibly probably about anybody because he didn't have to give me the opportunity that he did. And he actually furthered my expectations by actually put me in the car with Jake. Yep. Because that, that's something that I will always remember, something that I can probably take to the bank, as you would say. Because, I mean, yeah, I could pick his brain. But at that point in time, you're like, okay, should I pick this guy's brain? Hmm. <laughs> or should I just let him deal with his own cold? Or should I just let him, you know, cuss on his phone to his daughter about, I did not sign up for this. You know, which he did on a daily basis, <laughs> but uh, it was it was really fun in in a, in a way. And part of the reason what made that fun was the fact that I didn't only get to learn from Jake. I got to learn by one of the best wrestlers that was possibly on that tour, which is KLD, Kevin Lee Davidson. Yep. And to me, honestly, that was possibly the highlight because that guy. He might not be well known right now, but that guy should be, and that's just my personal experience because that guy's mind is possibly one of the best minds that I possibly ever got to, to ride with in a car. He really? would tell me, "See, I'm a prom- I'm a promoter back home as well," and he would tell me why I'm not drawing well, what could draw well, and I've actually done that to my promotion now, and I've got more of a feedback now than I have before I went to Canada, and I owe that to KLD. And I owe that to Danny Duggan because without Danny, I wouldn't be able to get the advice that I did from KLD and Jake. Some of the stuff that Jake would tell me actually made sense, and I can't really thank Danny enough for that. But um, going back to my experience, I've had good experiences. I've also had bad experiences, to be quite honest with you. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. It wasn't easy. Yeah. I mean, it (laughs) – Anytime you miss Christmas, New Year's, and you have three kids back at the house, and you're going through divorce court, and you're going through two different things of you know child support sessions, it's not going to be that easy. You're you're already stressed out even getting on the plane. Oh, and yeah. I, I'm a big dipper. 
I, I love my school. I love my Copenhagen, just like anybody else does, mm-hmm. or if they do it. Yep. <laughs> but when I went through Minneapolis, they took two logs from me. So really? therefore, <laughs> so therefore, going into this entire tour, I had one can of dip to last me 21 days, wow. and that was what was in the back of my pocket. Wow. Well, prior prior to even going on this, you know, 21 day tour. I was already doing spot shows here and there beforehand. I got there December 15th and um, doing that, I, I showed up doing Primo's show. Well, on this show was Rene Dupree and I told uh-huh. him what happened to Minneapolis and this guy he stared at me. He's like, you got one can of dip to last you almost 30 days. But at, at the time I was going to be there until March and he was like until March. And I, I was like, yeah, he goes, no, not happening. And he gave me like two. <laughs> He gave me a free can, and then he also signed that can, and that's what wow. helped me out with getting through Canada himself. Now, but, uh, you know, with all that kind of personal stuff going on, would you say that, uh, you know, just the uh, you know the in ring uh, working part and getting to do your thing? Uh, um, any would you did it feel like therapy at all? Like, uh, you know, at least you know you're, you're going through all that stuff back home, but you're you're getting to do this. You know, any any did you does it uh, have that effect on you at all? Um. Some nights, yeah. yeah. But then again, you have to realize that if I was to go out there and lose my stress the way that I wanted to lose my stress, yeah, Tony Kazina would have my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can, I, can see, I can see that, yeah. Um, and being as young as I was, going back to Tony Kazina, mm-hmm. it, it draws me all the way back to night one with Tony Kazina. And sadly, yeah, I said sadly, that match is actually on YouTube. Hmm. And I just, I, I just got around to watching that match. And I don't think I've ever had a worse match than I did that night. I mean, and I, I remember going back to the back mad at myself because I gave Tony Kazina ring of honor star, a horrible match. And I remember him staring at me and saying, kid, you just got to listen. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And that right there, that, that stuck, that spoke volumes to me. I'm like, all right, well, and I remember looking at him at this point in time, I could say so, so much things like, Oh, I had this on my mind or, Oh, I have that on my mind. Instead, I looked at him and I said, all right, Tony, you're right. What can I do to, to do better for tomorrow? What? It wasn't the fact that, you know, I'm from Tennessee and Oh, now I'm international, you know, forget what you just said. I'll do what I want to do. And I'm going to do, do it my way. That's not the attitude that I had. Which I want to uh, stress about that is because getting in, getting into all this, that was my mindset from the start. Mm-hmm. So therefore, to me to go about it with that approach spoke volumes to myself, not only to Tony, but to myself. And the stuff that he told me was stuff that I could probably take to the bank. Um, I can't really say it on here because I know there's going to be a lot of, you know, ticket buyers that actually probably listen to this and I can't really tell exactly every single thing that me and the workers talk about because I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. But what, what he did tell me helped me out for the next night and the next night and the next night. And, um, and this right here, the reason why I keep on rambling off because it actually talks about my experience. Oh, absolutely. And, um, (laughs) and, um, going, going about it that way, I learned how to work with one guy. If that makes any sense, I, I learned his ways. I learned 
you know, the eye marks that he would give me, like, you know, the Iggy, so to speak. I, I know what he wants to do at this point in the moment. And going back to that first match, I'm like, man, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happened because the one thing that I taught myself was how to be a baby face, man. Like, there's different ways to go about it. Yeah. And uh, there were, there was a uh, there was a spot in the match where he was on the outside, and I ran and I was going to go and I was going to stomp on him. But at the same act, in the same aspect, I have in this mind, I'm like, man, if I actually stiff this guy, I'm going to get my butt handed to him. <laughs> so I actually I backed off. Yeah. And doing that, I'm like, oh my god, I didn't even touch him, and it's like right in front of ten people. Oh. So I looked at him. And I said, oh, you thought I was going to touch you, didn't I? And it's all on video. So I ran back up to the to the uh, ring rope real quick, you know, to the side. And I jumped off. And this time, I like, I dropped the elbow. Yeah. That up, that upset Tony. <laughs> and in the video, you see it. I got hit one time, three times, four times, six times. Then he rolled me back in. At this point in time, you see me in the video say, dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> really? <laughs> it, was the fun- it was probably the funniest thing I've ever did. But doing that, I actually found out that I can't let my nerves get to me because I was really nervous. Coming from Tennessee, you know, I got this big opportunity with the Ring of Honor, you know, star right there. And I let all of that combine itself. Mm. And I let the, the nerves get to me, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And doing that not only made me look bad, but I made Tony look bad. And it, so therefore, from that point, forward all i wanted to do was give you know a better match than what i just did and i did that every single night and i did that not because i felt like i sucked but because i was like you know what i'm up here for a reason and the reason is not to look make myself look bad so i feel like i learned a lot from tony um the experience that i got from tony I i probably couldn't get anywhere else tony is probably one of the best ones i've ever been in the ring with um, that the guy gives out seminars for, you know, X amount of dollars. Yeah. And I, I just worked the guy probably 19 times in a row. <laughs> and that's something that the guys going to these seminars only wish to get because you can teach so, so much in a seminar and you can take it or you can leave it. Yep. But when you're in the match, if you don't take what he says, it's up to him the next day if he really wants to help you out or not, because he can go in there and squash you and make you look like two cents, or he's going to go in there and make you look like $20. And go. every single night, he made me look like $200, and I probably and I can't thank him enough for that's that. Good, that's good stuff. Um, and that's an experience now that you're going to, I mean, you're going to have that experience for the rest of your life. I mean, essentially, you just went out for 19 days and did his seminar with him for 19 days, and you were able to go in there, and, and obviously... You know, come the end of things and the end of this tour that you were on, you learned and you progressed and you didn't get, you know, complacent. There was no complacency at all because you actually went out and you, you know, took what he told you. And from that first match, you learned and you grew from there, which only speaks volumes as well to you. Absolutely. Right. Um, I want to throw something else out there. Talk about complacency. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, can't really, I can't really say that word because I'm really cold right now. I'm stuck in the car because I just got out of the funeral. But anyways, ah. um, working Tony, there was no complacency at all. In fact, I would, I'm would. i about to work Tony again up here in the States. Wow. Um, no complacency whatsoever. Love him to death. 
But if I was to sit here on this podcast and tell you while AJ Sanchez is listening in, Danny's going to listen in, Tyler Colton's going to listen in, and all these other guys are going to listen in, and I and I've saved fifteen times. You know what? There's no complacency for me. I loved everything, single thing about it. I went through the next day wishing I can go to the next day. Blah blah blah. Man, I'd be sitting here and I'd be a liar to you. Um, I went through the twenty-one days, yeah, but um, complacency was a huge thing to me. I didn't let it show. I didn't let it show. I didn't want the. I didn't want the fans to know I was really complacent. Yep. But I was to the point to where I was wanting to go home so bad it wasn't even funny. Like I was so embarrassed of myself there about day six, day seven. I was just so because I let a couple of people get me down, you know, that didn't really stay on the tour. Yeah. But I let them get me down because the things that they were saying was correct. And I was like, you know, maybe I should have thought about that. Because um, going up there, man, I was promised all this stuff from a different uh, from a different promotion. Um, I was promised, oh, well, we're going to get you some promo pictures, you know, make you a little bit of money when you go there. You know, you can always have a place with us, blah, 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 all this other crap. And I come up there, and by the time it started the CWE tour, I, I had nothing to sell. I had no food. I had possibly $100 to last me 21 days. And before day three... Man, you guys know how much that stuff prices up there, you oh, know. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, I'm kind of down. So my girl had to keep on sending me 200 here, 200 there, and man, it got it got embarrassing to the point where I just wanted to leave because I was like, man, these guys are gonna look at me like I'm a goof. And in different aspects, I am a goof. I'm the one that ordered pizza at 4 a.m. with the ref, and we ate it, <laughs> and then gave it to the boys the next day because we couldn't handle it all. Wow. But you know, but uh. The, the thing what I'm trying to get at is this. I got so complacent to where I, I was talking about, like, man, I don't think I can hang, I don't think I can do this. Like, I need to go back home so I can make money, mm-hmm. blah, 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 because, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, one of the things that really uh, stopped that was Tyler Colton. Yeah. Um, a lot of respect for that guy, man. Like, to- tons of respect for, for Tyler. Like, um, if there's one guy in that entire roster that's probably the most motivational guy ever, it, it's, it's Tyler. Tyler is CWE. I don't care what anybody says. Tyler is that landmark of CWE. And it's because the guy has cojones bigger than anybody's in, that I've ever met um, in the States. If somebody has a problem with you, they're not really going to tell you right away. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to wait yeah. till you're gone. They're going to talk about you. Yep. That that's just how it is. And to the people that's listening to the states, I'm talking to them right now. You guys need to you know listen and learn from Tyler Colton about what I'm about to say. Tyler Colton listened to me complain about missing home, missing this, missing that. Man, I don't. I'm hungry. Man, I'm tired. I'm cold. Blah 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 blah. I was down on myself every single night. And Tyler pulled me to the side one day. It's like, look, dude, if you got to go, then go. But don't bring the rest of us down. We're tired of hearing it. You're obviously here for a reason. If we didn't think you can get the job done, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. He's like, in no way, form, or fashion do do I or the rest of the guys want you to leave. But we do want you to succeed. 
and we want you to do it without, you know, complaining. Mm. Like it's getting old. Yeah. We don't want you to get us down. And he's like, we're really hot right now. And I don't mean to sound rude, but he said another word. He's like, but you need to find it in yourself to tell yourself now, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I actually thought the whole way to the next room, like, you know, what am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be quite honest with you. I knew I missed home. I knew I missed this. I missed that. But at the same time, I was going into, uh, we were buying our first place, me and my girlfriend was. And I was like, I wanted to be there with her because I wanted to help her move in. I wanted to see my kids more because I missed Christmas and New Year's. And that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then my dad, I called my dad. I remember t- telling him what Tyler just told me. I'm like, my, my dad's like, man, you know, um, the the guy's not, you know, lying to you. You got to figure out what you want. Yeah. So my dad just pretty much told me, he goes, son, if you quit, what is, what is that going to say about the, the entire 10 years that you just put into this to get to where you are? He's like, are you going to go to WWE or Ring of Honor and quit just because it going gets tough on day six? He's like, you got to finish what you started. I, he goes, I didn't raise no quitter. Yeah, there you go. So um, I thought about what Tyler said, and it really meant a lot to me because not only is the guy the champion there, but the guy genuinely, genuinely cares about the brand to the point where he cares about everybody else around him. Um, so – that's when the complacency stopped because I was like, you know what, man, these guys, they go to the States, they come back and all this other stuff. And one Tennessee guy already quit at this point. And, uh, I was like, you know, I am the, the last one of Tennessee up here on this tour right now. You know, that already speaks of volume, especially since the last one was a, you know, a Southern legend, so to speak around here. Right. You know, and I already outlasted him. So that's already speaking volumes. I'm hanging with the best, one of the best guys on the roster every single night. So that kind of, you know, raised something in my mind too. Like, you know, it's cool. Another thing was, is you know what? I look on a certain date on the calendar and I seen Calgary. I'm like, you know, I really want to go to Calgary. (laughs) So um, I really, I just stayed on the tour, man. I mean, I powered it through. Um, It was really hard. I figured out what I was going to do. I got on the phone and I started talking to Brian Logan. Um, I bought his shirts. He gave me his mask and that's how I made money to stay on the tour. Um, nice. I don't like, I didn't like selling another guy's stuff, but at that point in time I had to make what I had. I, I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. I mean, yep. so that's how I ate. That's how I got through. So yeah, Brian Logan leaving the tour and the stuff that, he said and what he said probably upset a lot of the guys because not everything he said was a hundred percent. Um, I personally adore Brian Logan because of where I'm from and I've pretty much got raised by Brian Logan. Brian Logan's never told me a wrong thing. Um, I'm not going to sit here and bash Brian Logan. I wish he could have stayed. I'm sorry that the, you know, the conversations that happened, happened with him and prolonged person um that's their business not mine that's their cross to bury not mine yep but as a friend of brian i really wish he he could have stayed because i feel like i could have learned off brian as well um but then again it ain't all about me it's all about the business itself 
if it wasn't the thing for Brian, it's not the thing for Brian. Um, but I know that a lot of the guys on the documentary probably said a lot of stuff about Brian. And, it, and they didn't say it because they hate Brian. They didn't say it because they're mad at Brian. They said it because the stuff Brian said to them wasn't 100% true. So they made that 100% that wasn't true into 100% true. And that that's their that's their outlook on Brian. That's not mine. Love Brian to death. But I do thank him for helping me out for the rest of the tour because if it wasn't for Brian, I wouldn't have been able to get through. I would have had to still keep asking my girlfriend for money and yeah. money and money. That probably would have led into a breakup or something because, <laughs> you know, let, let's be honest. How many guys get to ask their girlfriend for $200 every every week and then try to keep them? You know? Not too <laughs> yeah. many. Not too many. Out, it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. You know, but uh, I really think a lot of Brian. I really think a lot about Danny and Tyler Colton is, yeah. is tremendous. I mean, 100% tremendous. I thank him for what he said to me. And many people would think he, he was, you know, being, you know, I don't know how to say it in a nice way, but people would probably look at Tyler and what he said to me with him being rude. Okay, but yep. to me, to me, it was 100% honesty. And I, I respect that more than him going behind my back and saying, man, I wish this guy would just shut up, you know? And that's good. I mean, that was that was a, a good way for you to perceive it, right? I mean, perception is everything, yep. and you perceived it in a positive light, in a positive fashion, as opposed to taking it into a negative fashion, which ultimately you're saying it helped you get right through and get uh, through the entire tour here in Canada. So, I mean, kudos to Tyler for that, for him, you know, stepping up and and being the locker room leader, so to speak, right? And yeah. kind of bringing that to you and being like, dude, come on, you know, here's your kick in the butt, you know? And, and I mean, that's, yeah. that's perfect. Perfect. Now, yeah. I, I, and go ahead. Some of the time, some of the times, man, it would also be AJ Sanchez, um, you know, t- towards the end, you know, or towards the middle, uh, right before that conversation, even AJ told me the same thing that my dad did, man, you, you finish what you complete. You're your own person, but you take it as you wish. You finish what you complete. Yep. And to me, that meant a lot about AJ's will. I mean, to be quite honest with you, man, I've been in a, a lot of locker rooms, a lot of locker rooms. And CWE locker room in general is possibly one of the most positive ones I've been in because, man, they're not out to get you. They're not out to, you know, want you to leave. And at first I thought so. I ain't going to lie. I would talk to Greg a lot of times like, man, do these people just not appreciate what I'm doing? Do, do they not realize what I'm here for like, and what I'm getting every single night? I mean, do they not realize that back home I would make 10 times more? But in, but in the uh, – and, and also in the same exact sentence, back home I wasn't getting the same exact experiences as Danny was perceiving me in CWE. So, therefore, there are three ways to beat that cat, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Yeah. Uh, like even when we uh, did our interview with uh, Danny right after the show, you know, and him saying you know, he'd been beat up, and you could tell you, you know, he was hurting. And uh, we, we we talked to him about that, uh, about uh, you know, guys like like yourself, you know, getting an opportunity, you know, to work, you know, for the same company for you know a prolonged uh, period of time, as opposed to having to go after single bookings all over the place and having to stretch yourself so thin, you know, getting a bunch of experience with the same company, all right, in a big chunk like that, uh, it was um, uh, an opportunity to really, really gain some experience, like 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 with Tony like with Tyler right so yeah um another thing that actually helped me out with getting through the tour is 
I got to give a shout out to Tim Hortons. Oh, good, good, <laughs> yeah. Um, I got to give a shout out to their eight and eight. That so was really great. I, I have to ask, at what point on the tour? I know that you were doing this. I, I eight by eight. Eight, eight cream, eight sugar in your wow. extra large cup wow. of coffee. What point on the tour did that start? Um, man, it was the night that the ref, uh, Mike, it was the night that uh, we, we went. I forgot where it was. I think it was like, man, I don't remember, man. It was so many dates. But if you was to talk to Mike, he would know the exact date, the exact time. He knew exactly what happened, and I'll, I'll tell a story about that because it's probably one of my best memories ever. Man, I love that ref, man. I really do. <laughs> I really do, man. Uh, that ref was amazing, uh, Ref Mike. But um, I remember uh, when I first got to the uh, ring truck, um, Greg and Mike, they're like, man, I hope you like Timmy Hortons. We're like, what do you mean? He goes, we got all these, uh, you know, these coupons. I'm like, what? And uh, Greg's like, yeah coupons man coupons coupons out the crap and just looked at me there's a whole bag of just coupons man i'd say these these wow. guys had like 40 coupons and they all had to be gone within three days what and i was like wow. yeah i was like how do you get that many coupons that's a lot of coffee and Gre- greg's like i'm a coffee drinker man coffee drinker i'm like <laughs> 40 coupons all right so we go in there the next day is the next morning and i and uh, it was the morning that uh, me and Mike, we decided, like, probably about 3 in the morning, we probably got into the hotel late or something like that. He's like, um, I was sleeping on the floor and within, like, with three other guys, and I was sleeping on the floor. It was, like, Tony one bed, uh, Bob Cowan in another, bo- uh, in another bed. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, I can't do this. <laughs> floor hurts, you know? <laughs> Like after a while, some of that dang floor, man, it gets kind of hurting. And then uh, there was one extra room, and Mike's like, hey, are you in a floor? I'm like, yeah. He, he's like, well, good. Come over here. I'm bored. So I come over there, and I get the other bed. And like 3.30 in the morning, man, this guy's like, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm like, <laughs> At 3 a.m.? I'm like, I'm like, you hungry? He's like, I wonder if they got any pizza. I'm like, dude, it's like 3 a.m. There's no pizza. He goes, <laughs> he's like. He's like, I bet there is. Let me look. He starts looking, and he actually finds this uh, this place with deep dish pizza. Wow. It's a large pizza. gets a gets like a like a uh, coke, and gets like a big old thing of wings. And at four a.m., me and him just smash everything. Wow. And we have to, like, and we have to like wake up at six. Jeez. So we finally finish this up about five in the morning, and we go to sleep, and then we wake up. At like five forty-five, he's like, "Yep, we gotta go to Timmy's." I'm just like, "Yep, we gotta go to Timmy's." So we go to Tim's, and like we just like right across the street. We yeah. go in there, and uh, Mike gets his. He's like, "Hello, I want a uh, extra large, probably about a two and like a three, or a three and three or something, something small, like you know, little Canadians like to get." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so he gets it. The woman's like, "Okay, cool," and. He gets to me and they're like, "What do you want?" I said, "Um, yeah, I want an extra large eight and eight. <laughs> The woman, the woman, just like she goes to the top of in, and then right when she goes to put her finger against it, she looks at me and she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm like, I want an extra large eight and eight. And then 
she she starts laughing at me. I'm like, what? What's wrong with an eight and eight? Did you put, did you spit in it? You know, like what's going <laughs> on here? She looks at me and without missing a beat, the woman like she starts laughing at me. She goes, eight creams and eight sugar. I'm like, yeah. She goes, okay, that's cool. Do you want any coffee? <laughs> and, There's not room and, for coffee after you put eight and eight in there, bro. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, Mike Mike looks at me. He goes, bro. You're gonna have like a splash of coffee. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, well, I guess get another uh, coupon. We'll just put everything together. You know, why not? <laughs> and so the woman grabs her manager. Okay, and she grabs oh. the manager. She goes, um, he wants an eight and eight. She looks at me. Is like, no, he wants diabetes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, can I just get an eight and eight? You know. So she, why she is that like, so difficult? So she goes to the sugar. She has my extra large cup, and she she goes. She puts like four. Uh, she puts like six sugars in it. She shows it to me. She goes, "This is what six sugars looks like." I look at it, and I'm like, "Well, you know, I am diabetic." So no, I no. look at it. <laughs> wow. So I look at it, and I'm like, uh, "I'm diabetic, but wow, that's a lot of sugar." She's like, "I know, right?" I'm like, yeah, put about three more in it. <laughs> yeah. um, See, I drink my coffee so, black, so this is really bizarre to me, right? So, so um, <clears throat> wow. Then she gets to the cream. She, so she shows me what six sugar or six creams looks like. I'm Jesus. like, yep, two more in it. So she finally just puts everything else in it. And this woman has to get like three stirs just to stir it. Yep. <laughs> and so she gives it to me a half stirred, and then uh, at the end of it, she she um. She's like, here's your diabetes. And Mike's just over there with his hand in his palm, you know. And then she, she's like, you like your stuff sweet, do you? I'm like, yeah, it's my birthday. <laughs> and uh, she, she says, oh, so you got to be sweet on your birthday? So you like it extra sweet on your birthday? Mike's like, okay, I'm out. It's getting too deep. <laughs> he, wow. he walks out because he knew this woman about stepped in her own grave because I was going to say something perverted that she's not going to like. So... <laughs> Mike's like, all right, I'm out. So I, I left. I'm like, oh, man, Mike, you ruined it. <laughs> but uh, love Mike, man. Mike wow. will never live down the eight and eight. He will wow. never. And <laughs> and we would go to different kind of counties and stuff like that. And one of them, like every single one, they would they would re ask me, "Are you sure eight and eight, eight and eight? <laughs> We're on, around day nineteen. Yeah, probably, I think there's about sixteen with Mike. He's like, he wants an eight and eight. He ain't, he ain't kidding. And the woman looks at me. I'm like, will you just give me my liquid diabetes already? <laughs> just get on with it. Wow. So, if we ever, if we I ever come it. up with a compilation of like best of stories from guests that we've had, I think that's definitely one that's gonna make the cut. Oh that. yeah, because that's at least that's, top that's, three. That's great. Wow, that's good stuff there. <laughs> now, right. you talk about you know there there being some you know some bad experiences and that could have been a bad experience with that, that, you know, that first lady. Um, I got to ask about another bad experience. Talk to me about your hair. Oh Lord, my hair. (laughs) Yeah. Your hair. How, how you you have the same hairstyle that I have. Like it's, it's shorting with, with uh, like no maintenance. What could you possibly have a problem with? Oh my Lord. Uh, Oh, we have to talk about the hair. Um, (laughs) All right, so towards the beginning of the tour, or when I first got to Canada, my hair looked, you know, like a Barbie doll. And it was 
pretty amazing. I love my hair. But towards the end of the tour, it started looking like really curly on the sides and stuff like that. And I don't like it how my hair does. My hair goes into an afro, and I didn't That's like it. That's how mine is. Well, um, if I let it grow. Used to, I'm, I'm known back home for having a mohawk. <laughs> and back home, I, I do the boss haircut. I don't know if you know what, who the boss is, but he used to be a uh, former New York giant. Okay, um, yep. He would in back when I was in high school, we did that same exact haircut, and we won state championship with that haircut. Everybody had the same haircut. It was really weird, but it worked. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna bring it back, you know. So I go to this woman in Winnipeg, of all places. Why did I go to Winnipeg to get a haircut? <laughs> we went to Winnipeg, and I got a haircut. Um, I go to the woman and I show her a picture. I showed her a picture of this haircut. You okay. can't mess up on a freaking picture. So I, so I thought, so we're doing the haircut stuff and she cuts the hair. And then before she shows it to me, she puts a gel in my hair. She, she, and she straightens it up real nice for me. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I like it. You know, that looks nice. You know? Well, I get to the hotel room and at this point in time, I try to look up and down and up and down, you know, side to side with my eyes. And I figure out that my forehead is following my eyes. I'm like, what is going on here? Figures out the woman probably put about, you know, five pounds of this gel stuff on my head. And now my head is following me. <laughs> so I don't know what to think. Prior to this, Tony was telling me a story of when he cut his long hair and the woman put gel in it. And the same exact thing happened to him. He's like, don't let him put the gel in your hair. That's a no-no, man. That's a no-no. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, be a good man. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I go to do it. And I put the gel. He goes, I warned you about the jail. I warned you about the jail. Well, I said, all right, Tony, you're right, you know. So uh, <laughs> the next day, I take a shower, comb my hair. I look in the mirror. Oh, no. And if you can just figure out the shriek that I did, all right. You know the, the fat lady singing type of, type of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at your hair and you say, "Oh my God," it's about as long, as about as loud as you can. <laughs> that is exactly what I did. And the woman named Taryn, she was in the house. You know, mm. she was who we had to stay with when we were in Winnipeg. She ran to the bathroom. She goes, "What's wrong? Did you fall?" <laughs> I looked at her. I I looked at her. I'm like, if words can just go into fist, your mirror would be broken. No, she's like, what's wrong with that? I'm like, look at the right side of my head. It like the right side of my head, man. Like my, it just did not match. Like I had a flip. What Mohawk, you know, with a flip, like my hair had a flipper. It, <laughs> so like a comb over like, type thing. Yeah. So <laughs> I had, so yeah, I know I'm the top gun and things are, you know, Navy and the, uh, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I did want my hair to have wings. That just wasn't <laughs> going to happen, you know, but. You know, so I had to figure out something. Well, the first night I even had the haircut, we were in Thunder Bay, and uh, Chase Owens is in the is in the locker room with me, yeah. and it, I didn't get a hello or a hi or even a friendly, you know, GTH. Yeah. Instead, I got a whoever cut your hair, I would sue immediately. <laughs> That's coming from Chase Owens. 
That's coming from the Bullet Club member, Chase Owens. Wow. At this point in time, I could have turned around, flipped him off, got my butt kicked, or I could have just, yeah, you're right. So instead, I looked at him, and I said, Chase, I love you too, and I walked off. Uh, I hope you didn't pay, or you didn't pay too much, or, or even tip the uh, said person for said haircut, because that would be... Uh... It was $50 with a $10 tip. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, wait, whoa, wait. Did you just 50, like 5 0? 5 0. Oh, my word. Oh. They Americanized me, man. Oh, I have never paid 50 <laughs> bucks for a haircut. Wow. Holy jumping. They told me that was normal. They told me that was normal. Maybe normal in Winnipeg. I can tell wow. you here in Sault Ste. Marie, where we are, like 20 bucks haircut. No. I've never had a haircut in Winnipeg. You know, maybe if we end up going to Winnipeg for some odd reason, whether it's to, to even just go meet Danny Winnipeg but uh, or whatever, but uh, we may just have to go and get a Winnipeg haircut and see what happens. You know, if you go to Winnipeg and get a haircut after the story I just told you, I'm going to question you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be a good story, though, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> even worse story is going and getting dipped in Canada. Why? Are you kidding me? I mean, they sell it at the corner stores. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back here, it's like $3 a can. Oh, yeah. It's almost like $35 a can. Yes, that's yeah. true. Well, yeah. out there, yes. You know, going going out to that side of Canada, very, expensive. very true. Things are more expensive. Yeah. Um, here, we're looking about 15 to $17 for a can of dip. Yeah. Um, I, I don't dip myself, but I know people that do, and that's, you know, about 15 to 17 bucks. So next time you got to, next time you come and do a tour in Canada, you got to start at this end. Yeah. Buy everything that you need, super good, super <laughs> good, good price, to get all the way and then you're good all the way through to like exactly. British Columbia. Stock up while you can, type well, of thing. I'm gonna, I'm kind of scared to know what dip costs in Germany because I'll be in Germany June 2nd through the 10th, hmm. and I'm a little nervous about that because, especially after the experience I had once I got back from Canada, that <laughs> really sucked. That was bad. Well, like. After the trip, yeah. let us know how much it costs there, and uh, and we'll we'll uh, possibly have another story. Yeah, this is true. This <laughs> is true. But um, yeah, man, it was crazy. Wow, that whole that whole that whole trip was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so now you said that you're going over to Germany. Um, when you go over to Germany, what promotions are you work, working for over there? Um, I'm working for a guy named Sasha. He uh, he has a few promotions up there. He's trying to get me with. So, um, right now, nothing's really set in really stone. I was wanting to work for WXW because I seen Tyler Colton working there. Yep. And then I looked at the talent. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work on a few things for him and attempt that. <laughs> but uh, Maybe you'll have a chance to run into our friend uh, Alpha Female Jazzy over there. That'd be pretty cool. If you see her, I'll go and say hi to her. She's a sweetheart, that one. All right, cool. Yeah. But, um. I have a few good moments too in Canada, to be quite honest with you. And one of them was was uh, happening in a uh, Calgary or Calgary, or what, however you guys say it. Yep, Calgary. But, uh, it's good either way. Yeah, either way. <laughs> but uh, from around here, the Heart Foundation is probably one of the most popular, you know, 
groups in the world if you're going to talk about wrestling up here where I'm from. Yep. And Danny gave me the opportunity to work with a member of the Hart family. Okay. And um, that was Matt Hart. Um, I remember doing promos and stuff like that. Like, I'm going to rip his freaking heart out and stuff like that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a really good experience for me because I got to live a childhood dream. I mean, because, I mean, it, he's a heart. Yeah. You know, there, there's no if, ands, or but about that. He's a heart. Yeah. And uh, just the fact that I got the opportunity to even work with a heart, that was probably one of the coolest moments. Yep. Plus, he's a really cool guy. Now I got his phone number after I ripped his heart out. But he was a really good guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, my best moment of Canada yep. was was uh, a moment that probably wasn't supposed to be my best moment. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we, we went for, you know, the, the bigger guys, CWE, to pretty much tell their stories and stuff like that when we went and talked to the schools. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, AJ had a story, Tyler had a story, and Danny had a story. I think that was supposed to be, like, the main thing was, you know, the bigger guys, CWE, getting their words out and, you know, gaining more popularity and gaining more fans and stuff, such like that, which I was totally behind. I would just want to sit there and, Hey, I'm Chase Britton, top gun. Glad to see you. All right. Bye. Yep. Okay. Bye. You know, that's, that's what I had planned on doing. I ain't going to lie to you. I wasn't going to say anything, blah, blah, blah. And then when we got there, they, uh, you know, they gave us topics to talk about, such like that at the middle school, it was about, you know, Following, uh, I think it was about bullying or whatever. Man, I played football in high school. Why do you think I did? <laughs> I was a bully. So I couldn't really say anything about that. Inst- instead, when they got to me, they, they were more interested if I was single or how old I was. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. so I remember the principal walking over to me. You want me to save you? You want me to save you? <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> so at that point in time, I just gave the microphone back to Danny and Danny kind of <laughs> took over. If you want to know, you know, his age or whatever, come on the show. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Danny. You're amazing. But anyway, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, my best moment is probably when we went to the high school. Because um, I remember the topic that they told us that they wanted. They wanted the topic to be more about pursuing your dreams, drug-related, not doing drugs, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, when they said this, I immediately cheered i'm like yes oh my god great great it had I, at this point i had no tim hortons no energy drink it was just pure excitement <laughs> and they looked at me sure? and I, I remember danny just gave me the iggy he was like okay okay you know what's going on i'm like danny do you not realize back home i'm a drug and alcohol counselor this is amazing wow okay. I'm like, oh. and and uh See, I had a drug history. I had a very bad past where I went through 18 rehabs, um, and now I'm, I'm a year and about nine months sober, um, stuff like that. See, to the points where around here you had to be two years clean to be anything around here, to oh. do with any any kind of anything. And through my rehab and through a guy that you know pretty much saved me is what I say. His name is Eric. Can't say his last name because he doesn't want to be called. But anyway – um. He gave me this little little towel or whatever to pretty much where I can go to rehabs and talk to them and help them out. And if I can see anybody back home, I can pretty much help them out. It's like a, it's like a, um, 
a little side job for me, but it's, I don't do no, I don't want money from it. Like I'm the only one that doesn't do no money for it. So mm-hmm. I don't really need, I don't really need the title as in government title. Um, what I do is, is if I see anybody on drugs, stuff like that, I help them out if they need help. Out. Um, I, I pretty much, I call up the place where I've been. I'm, I'm like, Hey, I got so-and-so he's an alcoholic or whatever he is. He really needs help. He's searching for, I have the money to put him through rehab. Do you guys got a spot? If they say yes, I'll get him into rehab. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, well, he also has anxiety, depression, blah, blah, blah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send him to this place right here. And upon them saying they that's what he needs, I'll get him what he needs, and I'll send him straight to you. And by the time he gets out, I'll make sure he has a home, a car, and a job for him to survive out here on his own. And that's what I do for a living. That's, that's just what I do. Nice. I don't – I don't really talk about it. Danny doesn't know what I just do. He just knows I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. That's all he knew. Yeah. Well, go, before all this happened, um, this is a really touchy subject for me. Um, the day right before I went into rehab, I watched my entire county pretty much burn down to flames. Wow. Um, in the uh, Gatlinburg wildfire. And um, <laughs> it was really, it's one of those things where it was a really tragic moment. Um, it was rather go to rehab or help the people around me. And I was like, you know what? I can't help nobody out until I help myself. So I went into rehab the very next day wow. after watching my, my house burn down, you know, even my dog at the time he burned down. I mean, everything burned down, you know what I mean? And I got the chance to tell my entire story in front of this high school to the points where I pretty much shocked everybody. Even mm-hmm. Tyler Colton afterwards was like, man, that's good work. Like that, that that's good stuff. Yeah. Like uh, I had the principal coming up to me. He was like, what you said, I, I feel like that was the reason why you guys were here. You pretty much wow. helped a lot of people. And you don't even know it. Huh. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we actually got two people in the audience right now that just got out of rehab. Wow. And that, that probably helped them out. And that, that meant a stuff. lot yeah. to me because four guys c- came around to me and they asked me to be their sponsor. Which, if you know anything about that, that means if they feel like they need a drink or something like that, they come to me. I advise them to AA groups. But I told them, I'm like, look, man, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I did what I did without AA, NA, yeah. anything. Yep. I didn't. I didn't even get to complete a rehab course. I went 17 times and quit every time. But the one time I actually committed myself, I got kicked out. Right. Which was this very last time I got kicked out because there was an 18 year old kid in there. He was yelling at this. At this 80 year old woman, and make a long story short, I showed him what was up. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm. uh, I actually broke his jaw in many places. Um, he was in real bad shape. Um, his eye, um, I remember it being full of blood, like his eyeball itself. Mm. Um, I brew, I brutalized this guy like a lot, and still to this day, I feel bad about it, but I don't because I feel like I was in the right, but. The rehab actually, you know, paid for the bond and everything else, got me out of there, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's why I didn't get to finish that rehab. But I, but the fact that I stayed sober after that, when people said, oh, we ain't going to stay sober now because he, you know, got kicked out of rehab, blah, blah. And now I'm actually able to help people out. Mm-hmm. That really means a lot to me. And I feel like I wasn't, I feel like if it wasn't for Danny put me in that position, I don't think I would have ever had the chance to tell my story. 
And I feel like I actually, I really feel like I, I came closer to all of the guys as well. Yeah. Because that was the first time I actually got to talk and actually something serious come out of my mouth rather than, you know, joking and pulling ribs or getting ribbed on. Yeah. Or just feel, or just feel like a failure to the whole thing because that's actually how I felt. That was my first chance to actually show who I was as a person. Yeah. And to me, that really meant a lot, like a lot. And I, I speak highly about Mike, but at the middle school, I got to also talk to Mike's class and everything. And that right. was that entire day was probably the best moment that I've ever had wow. in wrestling, to be quite honest with you. That, that, that's uh, cool. And, you know, and the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's going to help others as well is that uh, just uh, makes it a bonus for you. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a true testament to be able to say, you know, like I went on this tour and out of the entire experience, mm-hmm. the wrestling wasn't the biggest thing, but me actually being able to, uh, you know, break kayfabe, so to speak, yeah. and actually be myself and help others <clears throat> while doing something that I love is just phenomenal to be able to do. Yeah, especially how Canada started out for me. It was, man, I'll be honest with you. Um, if I could talk about something other than CWE for a second, mm-hmm. um, just give me three more minutes. Yeah. Um, when I first arrived there, I was with a guy named Mark Merrick and uh, Primos. And this is how I got the whole Top Gun character. Okay. Um, I had the idea stuck in my head for a while. And in fact, you know, I just bought the entire character, you know, the stuff for it. And it was supposed to come in the mail as in a new gear. And the mm-hmm. gear guy screwed me over. Still to this day, haven't seen it. No. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we went to a show, you know, in Winnipeg at the uh, Chinese community center thing, Bajigger. I don't know. And um, it really rubbed me the wrong way when it's like I, I know my, my place, you know, so to speak, mm-hmm. when it comes to American being in Canada. I'm not trying to get myself over. I'm trying to get them over because, I mean, that's my job anyway. I didn't come over to become any kind of a star. So I'm trying to help them out with, with that. You know what I mean? But um, I felt like I was kind of being, I guess, underappreciated because I felt like I was outdoing what the promoter was doing. Right. Um, to the to the point to where um, there was a, probably about a 60s flight stairs and he had women bringing up the ring, as in the pieces of the ring, all really? the posts, everything else. Really? It was me, it was me, Chucky, Rory, and like four different girls. Hmm. Maybe three. I don't really remember the exact number. Hmm. And that rubbed me the wrong way because, I mean, I'm like, yeah, the females, yeah, they have just as much right in the business as I do. I'm not saying that at all. But to me, there's different ways you should treat a woman, and that's respect. And to me, the way he would talk to them, that was what upset me the most. It wasn't the fact that females were trying to help out with the ring. Yeah. Do it all day long. You know, you're part of this too. Yeah, without for sure. females, without females, wrestling would be what it would be today, in my opinion, because females have just as much right in the wrestling as the men do. Yep. So help out whenever you feel free. But when a promoter is pretty much making them, you know, his slave. Yeah, that's not that, cool. That's not right. That's that's not cool with me at all. No, and that's what I told Chucky. That's what I told everybody. And you know, you would see guys like, you know, Shadow Extreme, you know, run away from the ring, 
from the ring truck, not wanting to help out, blah, 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 which later I found out he was doing a documentary about himself because I guess he was uh, an Indian or something like that, and he was wrestling, pursuing his dream. Um, you know, I guess we all got different outlooks on that. But to me, if you haven't really been anywhere in the wrestling business, why why in the green earth are you even doing a documentary? I can understand the CWE documentary, but I mean, when, you ha- when you've made nothing in the business, that's like me doing a documentary. Ain't nobody going to be interested in that. You know, but in the same aspect I went through with it, you know, it turned out to be a pretty good thing. Mm-hmm. But it just rubbed me the wrong way of why is these females helping out, but the guys we're working for, as in the promoter, how come they're not lifting the finger? How come they're not helping? How come they're not part of everything else? Yeah. I mean, you, you had guys, you know, that in my opinion – have worked their butt off, but and th- they wasn't there, but the females were, and we were. I'm just like, man, I just came from Tennessee, just got off a freaking plane, and I'm doing all this crap. No. Where's everybody else at? You know? Yeah. And, I mean, some of the guys, man, they're probably tired of being disrespected. That's probably why they wasn't helping out. You know? That's probably the m- number one reason why they probably wasn't helping out that day. And at first, I was kind of upset. Did I have a right to be upset? No, I didn't. No, I did not. Am I anybody in the business? No, I probably didn't even make a cornerstone in the business yet. So that, therefore, I mean, I do apologize with the stuff that I said in the group message, you know, going off the guys for not helping. But after working for that certain, for working for that guy, yeah. I wouldn't help him out neither. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and, it, and had, had I known what I do now, no, I wouldn't even be there. I wouldn't even been there. I mean, I'm super glad that I got part of the CWE because my experience when I first got there was horrible. Yep. Half of us that were actually helping out that day, we didn't even get to eat until 7 o'clock. We woke up at like 6 or 7 a.m. to help out with this thing. You know what I mean? And we just like one thing went wrong after another. And I understand running my own thing. Stuff goes wrong. But when you start disrespecting people, that's when it goes sour. Yep. And I may uh, and I may upset people from what I'm saying, but you know, I mean, let's be honest. Do I really care? No, I don't. I'm going to say what's I'm going to say what's the truth. I'm not going to make stuff up. That's just how it is. Yeah. And you know, guys that are part of CWE did primos out of the good of their own heart and the fact that they love wrestling itself, not because they like primos, not because they they do this, do that. Oh, they respect so and so. No, it's because they they love wrestling. And CWE is probably based in Winnipeg, so why would they try to be, you know, why would they let another company ruin what they just started? So I've seen a couple CWE guys, you know what, I respect them 10 times more for doing the Primo show because, I mean, man, Danny and them, man, they, they, they bust their back. Yeah. And for a promoter to come in and pretty much ruin everything that they just had built, I wouldn't let it happen neither. You know, does that make any sense? It does. It did totally make sense. And it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, stuff like that is always going to happen no matter where you are, where you go, no matter what, uh, you know, quote unquote territory that you, uh, that you kind of go to. Right. And it's, yeah. it's kind of sad to hear, but I mean, in, in the same respect, that just kind of goes to show the, you know, a little bit more of the level of, uh, greatness that CWE has and that CWE is going to continue to build now. Right. Before we end off here, I, I do want to get a little bit from you, um, a little bit of a, of, a, of a good note, I'm sure it's going to be, and I just want to talk a little bit about a guy 
named Chase Owens and your experience in Canada, <laughs> albeit short, I know that it was short, like four or five days, but, um, I mean, you guys, you know, kind of had a little bit of uh, work together here in, in the Sioux. So, you know, I want a little bit of experience from you being somebody that was able to work with Chase Owens. Oh, uh, I'm literally scratching my head right now. I'm saying this cause I don't know how to go about it. Uh, love that's the word i'm gonna go with for me and chase owens um could we go as far as to say man crush <laughs> you, you can yeah the, I, I got a man but, crush on him and i you know yeah. i haven't even worked with him yeah. <laughs> you know and, and we've but, talked to uh, you know a couple of the guys from the Sioux area that uh you know you had a chance to be on the show with uh, with uh, diego and Vinny. And, uh, you know, specifically with Diego, I mean, uh, we had a chance to talk to him uh, before, you know, and he had worked with him here previously in the Sioux, and he said, you know, just, you know, even just work-wise in the ring, he says it was just a, like a pleasure to to work with him in the ring, right? So, and not only that, but, you know, just as a guy, you know, just, uh, you know, as good as they come, right? Well, to further what I just said, it really isn't a love as in let's put a heart on it heart emoji yeah everything else it's not that cup of love it's like a love-hate relationship between me and chase <laughs> um i mean do i like the guy more than anything do i respect the guy more than anything in this entire world now could i say the same about him towards me no i cannot but the thing is is through the years i've burned a lot of bridges and chase was one of those bridges that i burned earlier on with my antics, with my mouth, and yeah. my actions, and my drug history, and more importantly, my Facebook post. Yeah. Um, going into this CWE tour, I knew there was going to be a chance where I was going to be in the ring or around the ring with Chase Owens. Yep. And I would be lying to you if I said I was not terrified because everybody there will tell you straight up, I was shaking in my freaking boots because I... I was told many single times that, you know, when I was being an idiot and I would just disrespect everybody that ever walked in, in my path, I'm going to slap you the first time I see you, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And so I was really terrified that was going to happen, man. I'm like, man, this guy's actually respected. If he does that, I'm going to be blackballed for the rest of my life. And, you know, many times I actually messaged Chase, you know, try to get back on his good graces and, you know, he would snug me off because of different differentials. Um, not because he, he wanted to be, you know, rude or arrogant or even have an ego, which honestly with a guy like chase, if you don't have an ego, I want to question you because yeah. chase is one of those guys that if he has an ego, that man can back it up yeah. on any given night on any given second. Um, nothing but good things with chase. Um, because like I said, man, I was scared to death going in with chase Owens. Sure. Knowing our, knowing our history. Danny Duggan probably can tell you everything about it. Um, but the thing is, is now that I look back on it and we've had our matches, everything else like that, there was a couple of times he would slap me around to be kind of, you know, be, be a little goofy. But I, I knew in the back of my mind that, you know, that was his way of, you know, slapping me when he saw me, all this other stuff like that. And I embraced it. I didn't look at it and get mad. Yeah. I embraced it because he was trying to, he was trying to get me to crack. I knew it. Everybody else knew it. That was his way of trying to get me to crack. Yeah. I mean, he, he was trying to make me screw up. He was trying to make me do this, do that, because he was trying to test who I am now. I mean, obviously, because I told him I changed everything else, which is true. Yep. Um, if I was to once even act like I was mad, 
at you know the way that me and he was doing things or anything like that. Without a shadow of my doubt, man, Chase Owens would probably mop the floor with my face, <laughs> and he can do it. Yeah. I don't think many people know this about Chase Owens, but I know about Chase Owens, and Chase Owens is possibly one of the best wrestlers, as in collegiate wrestlers, to ever grace Bristol, Bristol, Virginia. And the guy is very decorated in collegiate wrestling. Yes. And the guy even picked up, I think it was like, what, kickboxing or boxing? So yep. anybody making that, that man to the point where he has to use those hands or those legs <laughs> you watch out. for, you know, yeah, the guy can probably end up going to MMA and having a good career. Yeah. So I knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, if I just show him that this isn't bugging me and actually take it as, you know, a rib, all this other stuff, maybe I'll, I'll get a little bit further. So I started looking at everything as a positive instead of a negative when it came to me and Chase Owens. Perfect. And and um, when I got home and I got to actually think about everything and I had a conversation with uh, A.J. Sanchez, um, even A.J. actually pointed it out this entire time, man, because there's even a point in time the uh, tour, he, he told me how to get better because I had horrible matches there at the end. I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie. I didn't tell anybody this, but I did get hurt in Thunder Bay. I, I wrestled through it, but um, so it really slowed me down in a lot of things. Everything I wanted to do, I couldn't do it, mm-hmm. and it it demotivated me to the point where I would just I would botch everything. But um, Chase always told me to watch the matches, and I'll be honest with you, I watched a little bit of one. I walked off, and I didn't watch his, which that should have been what I watched. And then the next night, I did the same thing. And Chase just blew up on me. He's like, man, we try to help you out, and you don't listen. And and that's just how me and Chase work. I mean, Chase tries to help me out on every given night. And I take it sometimes or I don't take it sometimes, you know. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't take it in the back of my mind because everything he says, I take it, with, you know, I, I take it to heart. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, should I watch those matches? Yes, I should have. But why didn't I? Because I was too busy. You know, being the being you know, you know, an idiot that I was to the points where I was down in myself the entire time, to where I didn't really want to watch anybody else do better than me. I ain't gonna lie, I was, I was embarrassed the fact that I just gave out a, a bad match. I didn't want to see anybody else do better than me, which that probably could have been the one thing that I could have learned from. Well, and it, had I go back to those days that I had with Chase, I would watch every single match all over again. I really would. And had I do the entire tour again, I would do everything he told me to do. I would watch every single match again because what he says is 100% correct. Um, nothing but respect for Chase. Um, it was tough love. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I can – that's why I said love. Well, because he was he was expressing tough love. He was expressing – that's just as much as he – that's exactly how you can put it. There's nothing else to do it. I mean – the guy doesn't love me. The guy doesn't hate me. The guy just wants to see everybody do good. And if you don't take his, if you don't take what he's telling you, it's going to upset him. Because I mean, look at the stuff that he accomplished. Yes. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, I started looking at it that way. And um, if Chase Owens is actually listening to this, then he would actually understand that now I understand what he was saying then. And yes, I should have done exactly what he should have said. And I mean, I hope that I gained some sort of respect. You know, out of the fact that, you know, I actually stuck with it, didn't give up. Even when I wanted to, I kept on going. And I hope that can be the message that anybody can get out of me being there. Was that the best wrestler every given night? No, I was not. Was that I ever have a 10-point match? 
Probably not, but I gave what I had, and that should be what it should do. I was the only state guy to go 21 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying nothing bad about the other guys. They have a life of their own. But, I mean, I want at least somebody to say, you know what? You was the best, but, you know, at least you stuck with it, and we can only respect you for that. And do they? I don't know, but I hope they do. And I hope that's what I want to be remembered by, by doing that tour f- for anybody. I mean – I went 21 days in weather that was some, some days it was colder there than it was at the North pole. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's no joke. Um, mm-hmm. I was sick every single day of that tour sick every single day. Mike can tell you, everybody can tell you I was buying, I was buying medication every single day for my cold for, for the pain in my back. I, I tore muscles. Did I let that get to me? No, I didn't. I kept on going. I put up the ring. I set it down with, without having one bad word about it the entire time. Um, I even got, you know, I put out one of my worst matches ever with TLC. And I I gave that back to him by giving him a really good match three days later. So I I progressed. I tried. I hoped I didn't disrespect anybody. And if I did, I'm sorry ahead of time. But I just want people to actually realize that, you know, I'm serious about what I do. I I love wrestling. I'm a second-generation that's something most people don't know about me. And the fact that I actually completed the 21 days, that should be a lot. Was I supposed to be there more? Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be there up until March. But the reason why I was not, and I want to go ahead and tell everybody this now before we sh- you know, close this off, because I know I'm probably going over, but I'm sorry. That's okay. But uh, I was supposed to be there until March. I was supposed to do the Northern Tour with Tony Candelo. And the reason why I'm not is because of Mark Merrick. First, he tells me he was doing 21 days. Then he switched down to 18. Then we're doing 16. Then we're doing 12 days. Then we're down to six and then four. And then now we're down to two. Now we're here. We're doing one day and then four dates. And I'm like, dude, I got three kids at the house. I'm not going to get done in 21 days, sit at your house for a week and a half yeah. and then wait another some week when I just missed Christmas. I just missed, you know, all these holidays with my kids. Yes, I love wrestling, but I'm not going to be one of those dads that my kids aren't going to see because I'm doing a hobby. I'm doing something that I want to become a profession. If I'm not getting paid what I what you know, enough that I could miss my original job, why should I spend more time there than what I should be able to do back home, making all that money back? You took 14 days from me. I'm not going to stick around with you. I got a family and I hope everybody can respect that. I wasn't trying to be, you know, unprofessional by leaving Mm-hmm. I told him a month before his first show happened, and he kept me on the poster. Um, and I know that he kept me on the poster because Rob Mass was on the first poster with me. And then prior to me leaving, a week before I left, they remade a poster. Two weeks after, I already had to tell him, like, look, dude, I, I can't do this because I can't sit here for weeks at a time without getting paid. I, I can't do it. So I'm going home to make money. I'll come back at the Northern Tour. Is what I told him. Yep. So instead, he leaves me on the poster to make it look like I'm going to no-show. Okay? That's what rubbed me the wrong way. So now he's Hmm. making money off my face. And was anybody there that actually was there to see me? I'll never know. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you advertised me. So that could have been part of the reason why. You know, you never know if I have a fan out there in Winnipeg that wanted to come and see me. And now I'm not there. So now that fan's going to look down on me for not being there. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. I don't want that vision. You should have put me off the poster when you took Rob Mass off of it, and you didn't. That upset me. 
I didn't get an apology for that because now that makes me look bad. I told everybody prior to that, a month before that, and he kept me on the poster. He kept me on the poster, and to me, that was not right for me because he even promoted it at the Winnipeg show for CWE, the Rumble to Remember, and I was on the poster, and people came up to me wanting me to sign that poster or whatever, and I'm not on it, so I signed it anyway. You know what I mean? That's not good. You know, that's really not not that good. So Tony Candelo and him are really good friends. So now I wanted to do the Northern Tour. I was coming back to do the 14 days, 20 days for the Northern Tour, and now I'm taking off that because I canceled the Primo shows. So now I just missed out on $1,600 and 14 other days that I was promised prior to getting on the plane. So that is why I left. That's why I'm not there, and I don't want anybody to hate me over that, but I'm simply not going to choose wrestling over my family, when I have three boys sitting at the house wondering where I'm at, I'm not going to miss my son's first birthday because I need to sit at the promoter's house. That's not going to happen. Yeah, That's not going to happen. I was going to miss the birthday because I figured I was going to do the one thing that I love, that, I, that I'm trying to make a profession out of it. I'm trying to make a, you know, a life out of this. And if I'm just sitting there for weeks, what kind of dad would I be when I could have been at the house when his birthday party and flew back in a week afterwards or two weeks afterwards for the big tour. Instead, he took that away from me. Very true. And that's, yeah, that, I mean, hundred percent, that isn't right. And, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, for in Canada, you kind of had to have that kind of an experience, but I mean, that isn't, uh, that isn't what all Canadians are like. So I think a a good way to to kind of look in this, in the big picture, I think, you know, this not applies to you, but I think anybody, you know, trying to to break into the business and make a name for themselves. I mean, you know, to to take all that that you know, and you know, and you know, be it a positive experience or be it a negative experience, you know, take it all as that you know, you know, be happy with the good stuff and but then look at you know the negative stuff you know and learn from those you know mistakes or whatever they or you know whatever whatever you want to refer them to as you know as part of the whole experience and I you know as for putting on bad matches. If every single if every wrestler that had a bad match gave up after having a bad match, there would be nobody working in this business. Another thing I want to point out there, if anybody else from down here ever goes up there, and yeah, I had a couple bad matches and I had a lot of good matches, right? That's yep. good. But nobody would have lasted 21 days in the weather that I did and the conditions that I were in. And by the way, I want to point this out there. Danny put us in good hotels he made sure we had a roof food and he made sure we got to the next venue in perfect condition i want to go ahead i want to point that out but uh nobody would have lasted as long as i did getting paid nothing that's something that nobody knows i did what i did for the experience for the exposure nobody back here would ever even think about leaving their family for 21 days Mm -hmm. to go up there to work for people that they don't know for 21 days for zip. I knew going into it what the deal was. Yep. I, I started out, I didn't come prepared. That was my fault. That wasn't their fault. But what I'm trying to point out is this, is name one person that would come all the way up there for 21 days for free, for nothing, and doesn't even ask Danny for one penny the entire time that I'm there I did not ask Danny for not one 
think like, hey, man, I know this guy, you know, left the tour. Does that mean I can at least get five dollars tonight I, or twenty dollars or fifty dollars tonight? You, you, I mean, I know the money's there now. Is there not once that I ever even asked for for a payout whatsoever? Nobody would do that. That's one thing that I hope everybody would actually look into. Yeah, I may say things that, you know, that I don't have the right to say or I may rub people the wrong way. But I'm passionate about what I do, and that should be one thing that can prove it. Well, we respect you for that, and you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, the you know the next time, uh, you know, hopefully you decide to come up again, and, and the next time though, it uh, you know will hopefully be an interview that we can do in person with you. And as cool as this was, we're hoping that uh, you know, like I said, to see you again, and then uh, hopefully do this uh, again with you in person. And you know, I think a, a good way to kind of wrap this up here is just uh, you know. Um, let everybody know about your social media and uh, and where they can see you next if they follow you. Um, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter. Just look up uh, at the uh, Chase Britain point or just Chase B point or the real Chase B, whatever. Um, or just look me up on Facebook, Chase Britain, C H A Y S E, and my my uh, profile picture will have all my media handles on there. That'd be the easiest way to do it. All right, perfect. Awesome. So there you go, guys. Make sure that you go and check out Chase Britain's social media accounts. You can, from there, follow everything that Chase Britain is doing as he goes and rises to the top of the professional world. And now you guys have been able to sit down and have a listen to Chase Britain as he becomes huge. And on that note, uh, we will see you guys next time. And have yourself a good one. Ciao. This is the Top Gun Chase Britt, and you're listening to the J and K podcast. 